head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Severe MMA podcast. And today it's a state of the UFC address. We don't have the normal podcast uh, this weekend, so this will be coming out early access for all the Patreon subscribers, and uh, on Sunday, like the normal podcast for everyone else, we're recording this really early in the week, because I need a few days off, because my voice is fucked up, so if any fights have been announced, or if like, you know, Max Holloway is jumping up to welterweight to fight fucking George St. Pierre or something, and we'd missed it, forgive us, because we have to do this a few days early, because I need, uh, I'm actually going, I'm going to Dublin, Graham, on, on Monday here to, um, to, to an old concert, so... You yeah, go. you love coming to Dublin, the the capital of, of Ireland, the the best part by far of Ireland. The worst part of Ireland. Like <laughs> oh it's such a it's such a horrendous place. Like why would anyone oh, oh I hate it. Why is it stuff in Dublin? Like do, do you know what we need? We need like a big arena somewhere else in Ireland so that like the tree arena is, is too small, like we need a bigger arena. So just put it somewhere else in Ireland so all the gigs are put on there so I'd never have to go to Dublin again. It'd be just fantastic, wouldn't it? But in Kildare, Kildare's grand. It's close to Dublin and it's not Dublin. They should have built a birdie ball, that's what should have done. They should have built the Bertie Ball, yeah, and that fucking aqueduct place or whatever it's called. Do you know the? Uh, was that supposed to be the Bertie Ball as well, with big like swimming pools and things there? That was fucking class. They should have done that. But I was above in Belfast there a few months ago, and they have like big swimming fucking arenas and right alongside like their the Odyssey Arena and big fucking soccer pitches and everything. It's class. Why, why can't we have something There's like big that? Big ice ring up in up in Northern Ireland is in Belfast. I'm yeah. not sure. We need. We should, do you know what we need to do? We need to join the UK again. <laughs> No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. I'm, I'm only joking. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, we can soundbite that with the with everything. We need we need somebody to be soundbiting. Yeah, soundbiting everything I say. Yeah, like I said, I liked Liverpool last week. It was just... We're gonna say Sean out of context. Yeah. Oh yeah, there needs to be an out of context. She and that'd make for a great Twitter account. Like, because there's so much stuff I say now. You could like, there's a at least three hours of audio every week where you can take stuff out and just put them over my face and out of context. Someone start a Twitter account out of context. You and be fucking. Yeah, I'll retweet all the the hilarious out of context. Yeah, me too. Yeah. You making a fool of yourself? Yeah, Jesus, you're plenty of them in here. Right, let's get into this. So, if you haven't listened to this before, it's a. Uh, we say a monthly thing we do on Patreon. We actually don't do it that often because there's it's it's tough to actually do this because there isn't that much you know updating and there isn't that many fights going on. I suppose to to do it every month, but it's a state of UFC address. So we go through every division uh, and look at maybe the the fighters around the top and maybe a few of the the uh, the contenders coming through. Uh, shout out to to Zane Simon. He does a brilliant post over on Bloody Elbow. If you Google uh, and I'll put in the description to this as well, uh, Bloody Elbow. Uh, uh, UFC roster it'll come up and he gives like the next fight for everyone in the roster their record who's in what division new entrance to every division and everything like that so it's, it's a fantastic thing fair play to Zane Simon give him a follow I think it's at the Zane Simon over on Twitter so fair play to Zane so the first um, uh, division we're going to get into is lightweight because it's 
you know, we 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 had actually just recorded the the Donald Cerrone uh, career retrospective podcast there for for Patreon, and we were talking about the lightweight division. It's one of the most stacked and has been for years and years and years. And to, I think it was last night or the day yeah, before. Yeah, even as two champions, is so stacked. Right, who, are, who are the two champions now? Dustin Poirier and Habib. Dustin Poirier, why Dustin Poirier got beaten by Habib? Do you not remember that when and, oh, yeah, and they shit. unified the title? Do you know yeah, sorry, Zayn Simon's fault. I, I had a. <laughs> I went back in time. <laughs> you went back in time. You just totally forgot that that fight. Yeah, I actually fucking completely <laughs> forgot about that for a second. I, do you know what? I'm actually amazed. I remembered <laughs> because there's so yeah, many. Yeah, I should try and I should try and uh, try and make up fake fights and see if you disagree up. with them. Yeah, remember that time I put them in over the next few months. <laughs> yeah, that time. Like, remember I remember that fight. Uh, just yeah. like brush it over and you just say nothing. Yeah, we actually did that. It's a funny story here. There was a friend of ours in in college, right? And he's a Liverpool fan, but he was like the worst Liverpool fan ever in that he knew absolutely nothing and just would agree with everything anyone else would say. So we decided one day to like make up a player. And one of the lads was like reading the paper and he's like, oh, geez, you see Liverpool are after putting in a bid for, uh, you know, Michael Hargreaves or something like that. And uh, I was there. I was like, oh, yeah, he's good, right? And uh, we was we were like, dear man, have you seen him there? And he goes, oh, yeah, he's fucking deadly. Some striker, some man for scoring goals or something like that. It's just like completely made it up and he gets started agreeing with us. So, yeah, it was very funny. But anyway. Anyway, let's get back to the UFC lightweight division. That's a good story. Uh, thank you. Oh, you have to be there. Uh, it was kind of announced by Brett Okamoto yesterday, but not officially, that Habib Nurmagomedov is fighting Tony Ferguson. I suppose <laughs> this is a fight, if this was announced and it had never been announced before, I'd be bang up for it. I'd be like, yes, come on, I can't wait for this fight. I think Mike Bond tweeted out that it's uh, the first time Two people on 10-fight win streaks have met in a UFC title fight or the UFC in general, I'm not sure. Um, but this has been made, I think, 2015, 16, 17 and 18 and it's yet to happen. I find it hard to get up for this fight. And I'm not usually one of those people, even if someone's very injury-prone, I always get excited for the fights. But this one, it's been a couple of days resonating with me now and I just can't really get up for it. What, what, what do you think of it? I think though, as it comes closer, yeah. you, you'll you'll get up for it. Like it's it's hard to get up for all these fights announced in the in the future when there's so many cards and fights to come in in the meantime. Unless it's unless it's like some kind of mega fight, like or you know some fight we've been waiting for for years. And even even at that, I think it it, it does kind of just seem like it, it probably won't ha- or it might not happen. So I won't get kind of up for it until until it's closer to the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I suppose this is kind of the fight that we need in in the UFC lightweight division right now. You know, we had, you know, Habib kind of obviously he has been uh, suspended since the the whole McGregor incident where he jumped out of the cage and all that. We we know all about that, and it's been what was, that was October last year, so it would be November now. So it, and he he fought the Dustin Poirier fight, of course. So it was uh, as I forgot there, just like you forgot. But that's one fight, and this is going to be maybe April or something like so. What? 17, 18 months, only one lightweight fight for the for the best division that there. So that's kind of unfortunate. No, McGregor was uh, obviously the champion for a while before that, or a couple of years ago, and he was gone for a long time as well with the whole Floyd Mayweather thing. So it's a division that's been fantastic, but maybe been sleeping a little bit over the next while. And Tony Ferguson's been there winning and winning and winning. He was the interim champion at one stage. As you mentioned, Dustin Poirier is the interim champion uh, as well. And this feels like if this fight can happen, and uh, as you said there, I will get more up for it as it comes along, but just because it's been called off so many times it's it's tough to but this is the fight that really the division needs kind of to move on to get to the next phase you know i always talked about the at featherweight you know we needed to get get away from those frankie edgar jose aldo fights uh for max holloway and move on to the, the next kind of guys coming through with 
uh, Volkanovski, you know, and I, that's why I absolutely love that fight. I love that Ortega fight at featherweight. Um, but at lightweight, this is the fight we need. You know, this is... Uh, I don't think anyone could deny over the last few years these are the two best guys. You know, Dustin Poirier has done very well to get there. He's got to... Conor McGregor has only had two fights at lightweight and gone one and one in those over the last few years. So you couldn't say that, that he's proven it there. And these are really the two standout guys, you know, with that with that stat uh, that they've won so many in a row. Um, and uh, it's really great. It's great that this fight is happening. And I suppose that the closer we get there, we'll 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 break it down and everything. But this out now, uh, you know, it hasn't even been announced yet. Who do you think will win it? Oh, I think Khabib will win uh, comfortably. Um, but I, I do think it is, you know, Ferguson, as you said, has been winning and winning and winning. And people have been calling for a long time. Every time there's a there's a light heavyweight or a lightweight uh, title fight announced. People will be commenting saying, oh, bullshit or whatever. Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson. So yeah. uh, people have been calling for it for a while. So that hopefully people have been like, you know, it's been put together four times and it be pulled out twice. Tony pulled out twice um, with injuries or whatever. So uh, maybe that's subconsciously or consciously in your, in, in people's mind. Yeah. They kind of won't get too excited until, the poker's way in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It definitely is one of those things. But uh, yeah, look, I suppose the rest of the division in, you know, you is it, like you know, how do you see yeah. this fight doing? Like, uh, you know, wise? interest wise, pay per view wise, it's interesting. Like, you know, Habib hasn't fought since um, since the biggest win of his career. Uh, Against like, Dustin Poirier. Publicity, or sorry, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. How I keep forgetting about that times fight. <laughs> It's ridiculous, but you know, uh, he, he's he's um, he, the Tony Ferguson fight is one that, like, you know, all the as I mentioned, all the the fans have been calling for. But I, I, people who watch Joe Rogan podcast as well, like, probably really want it as well. But do the the masses want it as much as the the hardcore community? Yeah, Pro- it's... probably not. But that doesn't really matter. That doesn't really matter to us. It's a difficult one as well because. We, we're not getting the pay-per-view numbers now and even, you know, when we did get them at least, you know, they've melted a way of getting them and things, but we're not getting them now. So how did big did that Paria fight actually do? You know, everyone talked about it being very big, but, uh, you know, we we will never find out, I suppose. So that's that's the difficult thing about it. Like, I, I think with Habib, I think the McGregor fight has definitely made him a bigger star. I think in, in the, the uh, you know, certain parts of the world, he's a very big star as well. And in America, I think people either probably love him because he beat McGregor or hate him because he he beat McGregor. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's one of those things. But I think people will, will care about him. For Ferguson... I, I don't think so. I don't think Ferguson is a star per se. I think he's a star for me and star for you and all the MMA fans. But outside of that, I don't think so. I think his kind of weirdness is not something that's going to catch on uh, for casuals. But you know, it's it's interesting to see where it goes. And I think it's the fight that needs to be made, however. But I suppose when you're talking about stars and you're talking about big money and everything like that, you, we have to mention Conor McGregor. You know, he's going to be coming back, people think, in, in January the 18th. And... We can't talk about the lightweight division, how it goes, I suppose, without him. If he fights Cerrone, you know, uh, and it would, the fight that's kind of rumoured, Cerrone ranked number five in the world right now, McGregor ranked number three. So when two, two people are that high up, you're going to have to be talking about uh, about a title fight coming up shortly for them. You know, Justin Gaethje's the other one, obviously, in there as well. Paul Felder uh, and Dan Hooker um, uh, fill out the, the top seven there. So... You know, there isn't really, uh, I suppose, maybe apart from Gaethje, if he if he wins one more, he'll probably stand out above the other two lads. But what do you think for McGregor over the next year? He like he'll obviously be looking to get that Habib fight again. But is it a thing of I wonder coming back into this lightweight division and kind of setting setting the world on fire again? I suppose and getting back to where he once was. 
Well, I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, Habib says, oh, join the end of the queue or whatever, but Habib wants to make, you know, money while, while he can. Like, he's not stupid. Like, he's not going to beg for a McGregor rematch, obviously, but he's not, you know, like, if if the if the, the money being much better and, and, you know, at the end of the day, he's a prize fighter and he went in there and beat McGregor before, so I don't see why he would not want that fight. Uh, and obviously McGregor wants that fight. So uh, if McGregor can make a comeback and and look impressive, and obviously there'd be a lot of interest and hype and all that stuff, uh, I think the the natural step then is to to make the rematch. Like you know, two point six million pay per views is by far the most the UFC have ever done. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely eclipses the the other pay per view numbers. Um and why wouldn't they want to make that? It yeah. just makes sense for all parties. Yeah, it's true. It's, it, like it's in. It's probably the most interesting division in, as we go into 2020 to see how that fight goes between Habib and Ferguson to see where McGregor goes. But I suppose after that, then you have the likes of Kevin Lee who had a fantastic. Win. Like if, if Tony, for example, goes out there and wins, I'm sure he'd want to fight McGregor as of well. Of course, because, yeah. You know. <laughs> um, these guys are prize fighters, and uh, obviously, you know, Tony's a. Uh, called for a McGregor fight I don't know how many times lost count of the times so uh, I, I, I think um, McGregor will be immediately back in the the title picture once he returns yeah well like you know, I suppose this is not the time for it. we've talked about it loads I think it's probably better off if he isn't but you know if, if he wins that Cerrone fight that's where it's going to go if that happens so let's let's see where that goes uh, as I mentioned you know uh, Kevin Lee good win uh, lately uh, Ali Quinta still around there as well after losing there recently Barboza Pettis still hanging around there Gregor Gillespie obviously got the, the loss to uh, to Kevin Lee but uh, he's still a top prospect there Charles Oliveira coming up as well he's won like six in a row now or something so you know, really developed his, his complete game from kind of a jiu-jitsu guy to a well-rounded guy and like Gregor Gillespie obviously coming off a loss but in, M- in MMA and in, and in such a stack division like lightweight you're going to catch losses like it's like somebody like Habib like is a, is a complete rarity somebody who can stay undefeated for so long uh, John Jones is another example mm-hmm. Demetrius Johnson uh, even at 125 but he even had losses at 135 it's just how hard it is to do what yeah. Habib is doing yeah and it's even if you look at guys like Draclar Close uh, David Timor guys coming through you know they've all lost us here in the UFC Islam Makachev as well Mark Jacasey Mark Jacasey as well has lost a few but he seems to be coming back strong so yeah look that division is always is always going to be strong right let's move on to uh, Federweight here and I suppose this is uh, I mentioned it there earlier it's a division who's, that's now moving on you know we're getting to the place we kind of want to get to it uh, Max Holloway versus uh, Alexander Volkanovsky after that then we have Brian Ortega He's fighting here again in a couple of weeks, isn't he? Against, uh, I believe he's fighting the Korean Zombie, uh, and then Jose Aldo's obviously moving down, Dropping and down. Frankie's moving yeah, down. As well. So it's a good time for the division, isn't it? Zabit, obviously, uh, we talked about him recently. Um, is obviously still a massive prospect. Uh, yeah, Rodriguez, another massive prospect. Korean Zombie, always entertaining. Like these guys, uh, you wouldn't be surprised if if they got a title shot soon. The division's kind of wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, d- yeah, definitely. I, th- I think it's all coming, like because. With those guys out of the way, and I suppose that's a b- bad thing to say about it, with guys, legends, former champions like uh, Frank Edgar and Jose Aldo, it's great for the division. Because even guys coming through like Shane Bargos, who's 6-1, and one, or, you know, you mentioned Zabit, who's 6-0, uh, and oh, uh, Ricardo Ramos, who's 5-1, and one, you know, the, uh, Ryan Hall, 4-0 oh, even coming through. All these guys have a big opportunity now in front of them, that if they can win a few fights over the next while, they're right in that mix again. They're right back in it. Like, and this Volkanovski-Holloway fight... You know what? 
even guys who have lost to uh, uh, Max Holloway, like uh, like Brian Ortega, if Frank Yeager, <laughs> don't don't do it, don't do it. I almost said it. But if if Volkanovski beats uh, Max, then you know he's right back in it as well. So it's it's this division is absolutely wide open, and I love the division. There's so much quality in it. You know, even with the likes of Mikano who's lost there not too long ago, and Josh Emmett as well, and Calvin Cater who lost to Zabit, and even my my boy Mirsad Bektish. We have to mention Aaron Allen as well. Maybe the you know, people talk an awful lot about Darren Till and other guys coming through, and there's there's a few good guys coming through now from from the, um, the UK, Leon Edwards and his brother Fabian. Arnold Allen has to be mentioned in there as well, ranked number 14 now in one of the best divisions in the world. So that division, I love that division. It's a, it's a good time for a division, and you know, I suppose that that big title fight we'll be talking about it coming up in a, in a few weeks here on the podcast again. Uh, but it's it's a, a definitely a good time for that division, and I suppose the two divisions below that then. Um, bantamweight and flyweight. I suppose we can kind of talk about them together because they have the, obviously the same champion with uh, with Henry Cejudo. He, who do you think Henry Cejudo fights next? Do you think he goes to flyweight and fights Joseph Benavides, or does he wait around and maybe wait for a Faber to win a fight, or an Edgar or an Aldo, and, and get maybe a bigger money fight? Yeah, that Benavides fight like isn't really you know nobody's really calling for that and desperate to see that, but it does kind of make logical sense. Um, Benavidez has kind of been in this position a lot of times. It's kind of we, we've seen this kind of before, nearly. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think the UFC be scrambling to make that. They probably prefer to make pretty much any other feasible matchup. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it benefits the UFC to have Henry Cejudo as a double champion. I feel like him headlining cards, calling himself the double champion, and being a double champion. If he was in a different division, yeah, that's a higher division, it would be huge. But down here, people just don't care. Uh, no, I, th- I think they do a little bit, and I think they care enough that they'll keep the flyweight division around and even turn around and sign a few more lads just so they can have a guy calling call them. True. Would the flyweight division still be here if if Henry Zahudo wasn't the champion there? Probably if he just moved up yeah. to bantamweight and stayed there? Probably not. Yeah, so that's that, that's the big thing about it here. So Henry Cejudo at the moment is one of the most important fighters in the UFC, funnily <laughs> enough. And it's it's you know, it's a testament to what he's actually done over the years. And you know, the that that TJ Dillashaw fight and the Mighty Mouse fight, you know, you can talk about the you know the stoppage and the results in them, but it's you you can't you can't deny what Henry Cejudo has become and how you know the improvements he's made, yeah, like uh, improvements even, he's made. even since the first DJ loss, uh, just but also like, his ability to kind changing, of changing of his style, even yeah, though as well, his ability to talk shit though and get people to care about him, even though he's like terrible and it's I think it's funny, but some people absolutely hate it. But <laughs> at least he's remember trying, Kurt you know? Angle, I won a gold medal thing that he yeah. was doing at the start. That was very good. I thought <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. Very people are getting funny, so yeah. pissed off. Yeah, yeah, I think he's very funny. Like even the the uh, printing of t-shirts with the, the Dominic Cruz on it and stuff, and bend the knee to Triple C. I think I saw, it's stupid. Like it's horrendously bad, but it's so cringy. It's funny. Like and he's calling himself cringe, but you know what, Ariel never saw. I, I like it. No, I want. I actually want to see that Benavidez fight because I kind of want to see both divisions going. I'm a big, I'm a big advocate of flyweight, and I hope that division keeps going. But I, I definitely want to, to keep it going. But on bantamweight, just before I, I talk about maybe a couple of the flyweight fighters, you know, there's some huge fights in bantamweight coming up very, very soon. UFC 245, Peter Yan against Uriah Faber. He could be the next contender there, Peter Yan, when he he's going to beat Uriah Faber. Come on, we all know that. 
uh, Corey Sandhagen fighting Frankie Edgar in the new year. Jose Aldo versus Marlon Moraes. A UFC 245. What a fight that is. Can Jose Aldo make weight? That'll be a big talking point going into that. Your boy Halfway Alas and So is always around there as well. You know, the kind of the yardstick for how good that division is. Uh, Aljamain mm, I think, I think, I think he, Asensu kind of looks a bit like the, the game might have evolved a little bit. The yeah. top of the game might have evolved a little bit past him, but he's still, yeah, he's still a very good yardstick for open comers. Yeah, definitely. And like Nathaniel Wood coming through as well. You know, we talked about the UK prospects, K- uh, Casey Kenny 2 and on that division. There's a lot of young guys coming through like Jack Shore and Miles Johns and uh, Henry Azor. And lo- you have lots of people coming through in that division. So it's, you know, it's, I love uh, Bantamweight as well. All these lighter weight, lighter weight divisions are always, are always very good. So, you know, you talk about 125 then, I suppose. And, you know, Juicy uh, Formiga is right up there with, around with Joseph Benavidez as well. Uh, you know, you've the likes of Davidson Figueiredo, who's 6 and 1 now. Alex Perez, 4 and 1. Kai Cara Franz came back into the UFC and he's won three in a row uh, in the UFC, I believe, as well. So there isn't that many fighters there. Um, but what they have there, you know, Pantoja as well, 5 and 2. Matt Schnell has been on an absolute run so in, in the last while and is very exciting fighter as well. He's 4 and 2 in the UFC, but that's that's a good, some good wins in those four wins there as well. So, you know, them, those two divisions are. Um, are pretty good and you, you you couldn't complain about them I suppose but sure look um, but you could complain about where's DJ where is DJ you, yeah, <laughs> about that, he's yeah. been he's missing in Asia somewhere yeah he is but sure look that happens to a lot of lads who go out there don't you know but sure look come on um, right then I suppose we'll, we'll move on to the, the women and then we'll, we'll go up and wait after that uh, women's featherweight obviously Amanda Nunes is the champion there as we speak uh, I'm looking at the Jane Simons list here. He has Megan Anderson, Felicia Spencer, and Zara Fern Dos Santos. Megan Anderson two and two, uh, Spencer one and one, and Dos Santos zero oh and one. So not the strongest division in the world. Yeah, not not really a division. Yeah, it's just it's it's a little. It's obviously under men's flyweight, but they're just keeping this around, really, aren't they? So they can call Amanda Nunes the champ champ. <laughs> That's what's happening here, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it makes sense. Like, you know, um, <laughs> more so than with Henry Cejudo uh, in the flyweight division, this division definitely, nearly definitely be gone if, if Amanda Nunes wasn't yeah. the multi, the double champ. Yeah, and like, to have someone like Amanda Nunes, you know, who is, I think, by everyone's estimation early at this stage, the greatest female fighter of all time. You know, she beat Ronda Rousey, she beat Holly Holm, she beat uh, Chris Cyborg. That's Cyborg fight. I don't think people appreciate how amazing that was from Amanda Nunes. Like Chris Cyborg was years and years and years this beast that no one could touch, no one could beat. And Amanda Nunes goes in there, throws hands with her, not just beats her, throws hands with her and knocks her out in a round. It's incredible, like, incredible. And I know she gets a lot of credit for it, and she did the same to Ronda Rousey, and she gets a lot of credit for that too. But I think she, Amanda Nunes needs to be a bigger star. I think she's a funny kind of girl too. She's very, you know, very likable, you know, the LGBT community. I know we've talked about that in the last one as well, and they get behind her. She's done a few different things as well. She just... Amanda Nunes is great, like. There's everything about Amanda Nunes. She seems just all around really good, and it's great that we have someone like this in the UFC. You know, Ariel did that interview with Gina Crano there the other day, uh, and, you know, she was kind of crying, thinking about all the, you know, the new people coming up in women's MMA and how she has kind of inspired people and things. And I think Amanda Nunes could be in a similar position now where she is the best, and people always look up to the best. And she seems to be taking it very well, doesn't she? Amanda Nunes, she just... Everything kind of kind of keeps her in her stride, and she's taking everything in her stride, and just she's a great champion for the UFC, isn't she? 
Yeah, she is. Um, obviously, uh, the women's uh, the women's side of the sport is still developing, and uh, having somebody who's uh, like at the top, who's well rounded, um, and like you know, uh, some of the, like let's be honest, some of the women's fights are lower in the card, and these random cards can the quality can be can be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like in order to legitimize the 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 women's side of the sport, it's it's vital to have you know somebody who's who's you know really technically gifted uh, and isn't um boring yeah. because people are like looking for reasons to write it off mm-hmm. and she doesn't give them reasons to write it off she goes out there and knocks out chris cyborg as you mentioned you know she goes out there and knocks out ronda rousey or or whatever just finishes these people uh viciously a lot of the time and you know, there's nothing boring about Amanda Nunes' game. Yeah, that's it. It's 100%. And I think the fight coming up with uh, Jermaine Durandamy at UFC 245 should be a very good fight as well. You know, Durandamy, you know, she might be the second best woman in the world at the moment around that weight. Very good striking. And I, I'd fancy Amanda Nunes to win that fight. But if she goes out there and blows Durandamy out of it, Jesus, man, Amanda Nunes is on a different level. And I have a feeling she actually might do that, but I'm not, I'm really looking forward to... But Durand me, like, you know, she, she things could have been very different for her yeah. if she's taken, taken fights that were offered to her. Uh, very strange, the whole Durand me thing. Yeah, it is, in fairness. But she's, I suppose she's 7-2 and two in the UFC at the moment. You've the likes of Irina Aldana as well uh, coming through there. She's 4-3, and three, but she, I think she's she's a little bit better than that. You've Ketlin Vieira as well, who I think she's been out injured for the last while. She's 4-0 oh in the UFC. And she probably would have been getting this title shot only for those injuries. But she's fighting Irene Aldana and coming back here now. So maybe, you know, that's a good fight for her as well coming through. And the winner, that might be the, the next one, especially when it's on the same card. Or you never know if someone gets an injury, they could be fighting for the for the title. You know, Aspen Ladd is coming back as well after losing to Durandamy with that kind of early stoppage in her last fight. She's 3-1 and one, uh, as well. And there's, a, you know, a few more people obviously coming, coming through there as well. Um... Then at 125, let's move down here. The 125 is like the opposite, I think, to 135 and 145 at the moment, where you have um, Nunes fighting the likes of Rousey, of uh, Cyborg, of even Durandamy. You know, people we know, people with name value and quality value as well, that we know how good of fighters they have been or are over the years. And then you have um, Shevchenko at 125, being champion and fighting the likes of Jessica I fighting the likes of Caitlin Chukagan, who we all know she's going to go in there to absolutely decimate. It's not great for the division, is it? To have that, to have a new division and it's just basically a one-person division. She's just smashing everyone else coming up. Yeah, but uh, as I said, it's very early stages for, for women's MMA in the UFC. Um, you know, having... Like you started off with one division, and yeah. you know it's a lot easier to do it like that when you can get people, women, to come from one thirty five, one twenty five, one fifteen, yeah. just all in the same division. Like you, you're, you're gonna have to kind of struggle through <laughs> for a while um, until until the kind of the talent comes through to, to fill these divisions. Yeah, that is true. Look, this Chukagan fight coming up, UFC two four seven, I believe. Uh, is you know I think another straightforward enough fight. If you look, if you look at like the the two divisions that are more established, they've been around longer, so it just kind of makes sense that they'd be there'd be more talent in them. Like the ultimate, what, what which old, I can't remember the numbers of the ultimate fighter, but they they kind of you know uh, brought the girls in and made the belt f- for. Uh, what was it Rose Namajunas versus yeah. um, Carla Esparza in the. 
in the finale and so it already had even before the division was in the UFC it had a bit of hype behind it because of the ultimate fighter obviously the ultimate fighter wasn't then and isn't now what it was at the start but it's still it's still um garnered a bit of interest for, for these fights which hasn't really happened at flyweight and obviously at featherweight which doesn't really exist yeah, and I suppose, like, if you look through the rest of the division, you have the likes of Jennifer Maya, Viviana Arujo, Lauren Murphy, you know, Roxy as well, who's fighting Macy Barber soon. <laughs> that's just, you know, Andrea Lee is around there too, Alexis Davis, Montagna, uh, De La Rosa. So, you know, there's some good people there coming through, definitely. Like, oh, I was like JJ Aldrich as well. She's 4-2 in the UFC. Um, you know, and Molly McCann as well, 3-1 now. You have to mention her as well. So it's there is people coming through and we have to, you know, I mentioned Macy Barber, but she's a very, very good fighter as well. And she could be a challenger. The, the issue with that is she might be a challenger too too soon for uh, for Valentina Shevchenko, but that's going to happen in those sorts of divisions. But, yeah, well, these divisions, like, uh, you know, if if they these were the, the men's divisions that have been around a lot longer, mm-hmm. got, these girls, would their records wouldn't be like six fights, seven fights, before they come to the UFC, it'll be 15, 20. Like, like it just, they're learning on the job nearly in the UFC. So you just got to be kind of patient with, with, with. Yeah, you have to, you have to. And I suppose, well, the last women's division in is obviously the first women's division in, or the, the second women's division, sorry, in the UFC, the women's straw it, where you kind of have a, a lot of good, very, very good fighters right there right now, and we don't know who's going to yeah. be next. You know, you have Zhang Weili, who's the champion now, who absolutely decimated Jessica Andrade uh, in her her last fight. It, it, you know, Rose Namunis is he, he was on uh, she was on sorry with uh, Ariel Hawani there a couple of weeks ago, and she seems to be coming back now and in a good place as well. Joanna and Jessica looks like is going to be fighting uh, Zhang Weili. Tatiana yeah, like, Suarez. Th- those those five, yeah. like you know, Tatiana Suarez, Joanna, Rose, Jessica Andrade, mm-hmm. and the champion. Like that's Brilliant. that's really you know that's really good, a high level and varying kind of styles. Like it's you know it's uh, just the champion, whoever it is kind of offers their opponents offer something different and it's it just shows that with a bit of time these divisions you know can be entertaining and have high quality fights but you just you just need to you just need to um Okay, I think I think featherweight like you know if you're going to do it like featherweight it's not going to work like yeah. you need to just either do it properly or get rid of it this kind of weird half division just isn't going to work but with flyweight over time I think it'll it'll flesh out and have top quality fighters like like strawweight in the top five and bantamweight in the top five or even more bantamweight yeah and even if you look through at that strawweight division as well you you have everything you know you have the people coming through as you said like Suarez the former champions like Namunas Ian Jacek the former challengers like uh, Claudia Gadelia who's been around for a long time you know Nina Antrov I think has improved an awful lot Waterson a very good fighter Calvillo coming through a very good fighter and kind of the the gritty veterans in like Atisha Torres who's and Felice Herrig who's a very good test for the maybe new people coming through so that division that top 15 has it all really there you know if you're a, a very good fighter coming through there's people to build you to get to the very top and then there's very tough tests before you get to the very top again like you know? Ka- Karolina Kovalkiewicz is yeah. barely in the top 15 anymore just shows you know how, how it, yeah. much this is this uh, division has developed yeah it definitely has 100% um, so let's move on we're going to get here to uh, to welterweight and we'll work our way up then obviously after talking about lightweight at the start uh, and you know the big fight here is obviously 
Cameron Usman versus Colby Covington. You know, you mentioned there about lightweight a while back when we were talking about the fight and thinking, will this be a big draw between Ferguson and Habib? What do you think about this as kind of a drawing fight? Maybe not with casuals and everything, but even with us, even with the MMA fans, do you think people are going to be like mad up for this fight? Not mad up for it, I don't think. Uh, they'll watch it, but I don't think people are going to be super excited watching every video they can to try and hype themselves up and all that stuff. But uh, it's definitely a really interesting fight, like, uh, for, for hardcore fans. Uh, okay, probably won't be the most exciting fight. Uh, might not be the most exciting fight, but I'm interested in, in how both guys look and what's going to happen and who's going to have advantages in certain aspects and uh you know uh people can hate on kobe covington with good reason for a lot of things but he's evolving and he's a very difficult matchup for anybody yeah i'm i'm actually really looking forward to this i think from a technical point of view it's it's a very interesting fight because both guys like we know look, look what usman did to uh to tyron Woody, just out wrestling him just I never thought he'd be able to do that. I thought, you know, he might have, might be able to wrestle. Might him take. But he probably wouldn't have been like a few fights ago. But he's he's getting he's mm-hmm. definitely getting better. Like his striking is definitely getting better too. Yeah, it's like, and he's so good in that area. And Covington, you know, Covington is is the next best thing I think to have even in the UFC with his wrestling ability. He's a fantastic wrestler. Like, who's going to win that wrestling battle? That's very intriguing to me. Like, I I think. Uh, I think Usman is a better technical striker, but I actually think Covington's striking is a little bit underrated. You know, people comparing him to Ben Askren—that's you couldn't be further away. Like he's not not a bad striker, not a terrible striker, not a great striker, but I think he does like Habib as well. He'll go in and he'll throw his hands to get into the clinch and to, to push you against the cage and try to take you down. Like he landed a lot of strikes in that uh, fight against Bob Lawler, who's a, a devastating striker himself and a legend of the sport. So. I'm really looking forward to seeing what way it goes. That those scrambles on the ground, I think there'll be a lot of fence work. Like there could be a lot of, a lot of maybe boring parts to this fight, but it'll be like high stakes transitions, if you know what I mean. This fight could be one of those ones that one person will get the edge and absolutely destroy the other guy, like Usman did with Woodley. Uh, and by destroy, I mean you know, maybe dominate is a better word than destroy, uh, or else it'll be tit for tat over the five rounds and it could be a very close decision there could be you know people calling robbery and everything after this one but i'm i'm really looking forward to it. and i think it's it's maybe the new age as well of, of fighters coming through in terms of you know we've gotten away from the gsp era time woodley you know i tell you Woodley's still there thereabouts you you only lost one fight so i'm not going to totally write him off but these are the new welterweights coming through as well and it's exciting to to see when when two of them kind of get matched up and that's that's maybe the team of the UFC in the moment for a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of the these divisions. You know, lightweight. We have Tony versus Habib, the new guys coming through fighting all the time. You know, we just said Adesanya versus Whitaker. Um, you know, we're having John Jones fighting Dominic Reyes, and we'll get to that in a second. But you know, Holloway versus uh, versus Volkanovski as well. It's it, it's very good, and I suppose. The other guy we didn't we have to mention here at, at uh, welterweight is is Masvidal. What do you think they do next with Masvidal? Do you think it's uh, would they wait and see who wins the title fight and give him that, or do you, did they give him a big fight? Yeah, well, uh, it depends on how much interest they think he drew. I think with the Diaz fight, which I say was high, mm-hmm. like uh, there was a lot of you know. Um, Obviously, the some people didn't like the the belting, but it, it still got people talking and got people more interested in the fight. So I'd say it did well, and I'd say they probably want to, you know, put Masvidal in there against the winner. Like I'm, I doubt Dana White's too excited about this Kobe Covington Usman fight. Uh, 
yeah. and he probably won't be, he <laughs> probably won't be too excited after about it afterwards and he'll probably be saying something like oh we need some guys willing to fight like you know and, and then there's George Masvidal yeah yeah I, I think <clears throat> I think they'd be happy enough to get that title on Masvidal right away uh, you know, they probably should make the Nate Diaz rematch just because of the way that fight ended. Now, you know, the, the longer away we get from that fight, I think the more, and even us, I think we're a little bit harsh now the, the second it ended. But I think people will kind of realise that ah, he was kind of destroying him anyway. It was a worse cut than we actually said. But the stoppage was still a bit weird. The doctor panicked a little bit and uh, and stopped it. But, yeah, uh, you know, your point there about Dana may, might be happy enough to get the belt on Masvidal. Hmm. That might be a bit of a fool's errand, I think, because I think either of these guys would beat him handily enough. But you know, you never know what Masvidal is. He's a very, very he's always been a very good fighter, but he's he's hit that switch and he's changed and he's this devastating knockout artist as well, which is fantastic. But you know, we have to mention Leon Edwards as well coming through. Uh, a very, very, very good fighter, improving all the time. That team renegade in in uh, Birmingham might be one of the best gyms in the world at the moment. Definitely, I think, the best gym in the UK and Ireland in terms of prospects, if not in terms of top guys there as well. But maybe the one of the top gyms in the world in terms of prospects as well. Like, if Leon Edwards is a top guy, he's still coming through and he's still a contender there. And, you know, his brother Fabian and Jai Herbert and... Uh, um, what's his name? The guy who just beat James Webb, Natalia Frederick, and there was another guy I actually meant to watch. He's fighting the Bellator prelims the other day. Everyone was raving about him. Another team renegade guy coming through. So that gym is is very very good as well. You know you have Dos Anjos still hanging around there as well. You know Diego Sanchez. I know is he still in the UFC or not? There was rumors he's not, but um. As I mentioned, Los Angeles fighting Michael Chiesa coming up here in the new year. Chago Alves is fighting Tim Means. Uh, you still have Robbie Lawler around there. Anthony Pettis actually moving back down to lightweight. I just saw there a, a couple of minutes ago. Carlos Conda was supposed to fight here recently or uh, soon, but he's out injured. Uh, and, you know, Woodley's still around. There's talks of Woodley versus uh, versus um, Edwards in, in London. Whether that happens or not, we don't know. And, you know, Li Zhang Yang, 9-3, good record there. Uh, Gunnar Nelson is still around. Bilal Mohammed has been doing very well over the last few years. Uh, and there's, you know, there's loads of people in that division. Claudio Enrique de Silva, 5-0. So when you have a record like that, you, you have to be uh, you have to be talking about him as well. So, you know, a very, obviously a very good division there. And um, we'll see how it goes over the next while. Then we get to middleweight. What do you think of this rumoured fight between Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero? Are you... Are you wanting that? Mm, Are you bang up for it? Yeah. <laughs> not, no, I'm not bang up for it. Definitely not. But, like, I, I do think it's an interesting test for Adesanya. Yeah. Like, uh, Yo Romero may be old, but uh, his last fight he may have kind of did a lot of nothing, but he's he's, he's so dangerous, like, uh, in in moments. And, like, I know Adesanya will probably be a sizable favourite, but he does offer a threat uh throughout the whole fight while he's still standing in front of you and, and if he gets it to the ground obviously as well but um, no I'm not really too excited about it yeah. but like, I'll, like I'll, I'll watch it and like you know uh, I'll enjoy I'll probably enjoy it like but no I'm not like you know it wasn't fist bump in the air when I, <laughs> when I heard about that yeah, I was very surprised this fight was they're talking about making this fight and I know Paulo Costa was supposed to get the fight and and he got injured. Then there was talks of Robert Whitaker getting a rematch, which you called straight after, and I kind of laughed at you. So I was like, no, don't give him the rematch and prove Graham right. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to see who they're going to give it to. You know, Car- Cannonier has been doing very well, but I don't know. Is he I think Whitaker in? makes the most sense. Like, just do it in, like, does, you know. Yeah. New Zealand. Is New Zealand there, so, or yeah. even Australia. Like, you know, uh, he's, yeah, just do it on that side of the world, and it'd probably be a massive card. Like. Yeah, the mo- with, with cost out, I think it actually makes probably the most sense. But... 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Laughed out of the room the last time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right to do that, but there's a, there's an issue as well I think with Edmund Shabazian because he's the next guy coming through uh, and he is fantastic but he is still very young in his career very young in, in his life even uh, and it's too early for him but there isn't really anyone else sticking out and I think if Hermanson maybe had won against Cannoneer he'd probably be getting it at this stage and Cannoneer obviously just after coming down well, I see three or four fights probably there now is, is not ready and there, you know Ian Heinish ha- hanging around there Uriah Hall as I was calling out uh, Israel Adesanya but he's not going to get it so middleweight has always been a weird division where there's been one fantastic fighter at the top of it and then the rest are kind of just like oh who's going to be the next guy you know there isn't like Volkanovski the obvious next guy Arsene Whitaker is it is that like what you mean that that Adesanya is just way better than everybody else no well I don't mean way better yeah well Maybe that was a wrong way of saying it, but there's been like a dominant champion at the top for. Look, I suppose it's just Anderson because after that, it's they have been going back and forth. But it feels like that division is always in a stage of either the top guys smashing them or kind of rebuilding. And like, there's no like we talked about there the women's uh, strawweight or yeah 115 pound division. There's the champion up there, and then there's the contenders, and then there's the old veterans and the young people coming through. Like if you look at this middleweight division, okay, you've Adesanya and you've Whitaker, but like Paulo Costa is the guy coming through. He's injured. Joel Romero hanging around there. He shouldn't be really getting the shot. Jerry Conner, he hasn't really done enough to get the shot. Darren Till has come up and got one very good win, but he hasn't done enough to get the shot. Hermanson, you know, lost his last fight. Similar enough, Gaslam lost his last fight. Like, there's no, there's no like next batch of contenders waiting there. Who's going to be the next fight? It's like mm, who's going to be the next fight? You know, it's <laughs> to me it feels like that. There is some of that with Shabazian and Irish coming through, but it, this division is weak. I think. Yeah, well, like, you don't want to ruin some of these guys, like Edmund, for example, you mentioned by putting them in there too early. Um, you know, uh, in another division, a stack division, they they could get four or five fights and people wouldn't wouldn't be clamoring for them to get a title shot. But, you know, one or two more wins for Edmund, people could be talking about it and it'd probably be too early. And, you know, it might take him a while to recover from that. But maybe, you know... We've seen stranger things in MMA. Like these guys can evolve very quickly, or can show us things we we don't think they have. And just because they're inexperienced compared to the other guys doesn't mean they they can't beat them. But I think it's a big risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, he's still four and zero in the UFC. And like if you look at Paula Costa, five and zero, Israel seven and zero. You know they are the standout guys in the UFC at the moment. There's a lot of guys here with one fight in the UFC. Let me let me look at it. there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys. In the UFC middleweight division, currently with one fight, whether either either loss or fight, and there's three more who have yet to make their uh, their debut. That's a lot of fighters in there, very very inexperienced, and there's a few more, but only two and three fights as well. You know, the likes of Darren Wynn, he came in, and everyone thought he might be, you know, the next coming there, but uh, he missed. I know, I know, I know. I've been saying it for a while, <laughs> yeah. months or years, but Stephen Thompson just needs to. Yeah, I agree. To go to middleweight. Mm-hmm. He can go back down in the welterweight if he wants after, but it, it just makes sense. Like you know, especially when Whitaker was champion, it made even more sense. But it still makes great sense now. That Adesanya versus Wonderboy matchup will be phenomenal. Yeah, and he like Wonderboy's only ranked number eight at the moment. I know uh, you're looking for you're looking for a guy to put Adesanya against, like you know. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, but anyway, uh, right. Let's move on to the last couple of divisions here. Light heavyweight with John Jones. Everyone thinks he's going to fight um, Dominic Reyes coming up. Mm-hmm. Like, t- 
to me, John Jones is at a stage now where he needs to forget about these next challengers coming through, and he needs big fights. Like I, I think John Jones has done enough now. He's fought enough contenders. Like if there isn't a big a fight out from out there for him, fair enough. But there's big fights out there for him. Like whether it's Adesanya in a super fight, uh, Adesanya coming up to fight him. Adesanya doesn't have a fight either, so it makes a bit of sense now. And they've been doing it for the last while. Like if this was five years ago, you'd say, "What? He's hasn't even defended his belt. What are you talking about?" But no, that's you know they've been Conor McGregor came up and fought Ellie Alvarez without defending his belt. That's what they've been doing. Changed. Exactly. He could fight Francis Ngannou. Imagine how huge that fight would be. Be, be brilliant. You know, Stephen Miocic doesn't want to see him to fight Daniel Cormier again. I'm sure John Jones could pop up there and take that fight away. And that'd be fill two uh, roles for him. It'd take a fight away from Daniel Cormier and it'd get him a big fight as well. But I don't know. John Jones just doesn't seem to want these big fights. He, you know, and in, in modern day... MMA and in the UFC, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Well, how do you, what's your take on the whole John Jones situation? Yeah, John Jones, he's always been weird. Like, yeah. the decisions, like, even like, you know, he wouldn't fight, take a short notice fight to sure. save an event. You know, uh, a lot of things over the years, you question John Jones's decisions. Uh, even, even his decisions to indicate to kind of fight the guy at his own game is, is a really risky strategy. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, it's a he has in nearly all of his fights he has an easier method of victory that he chooses not to take or waits for a while to take even though he probably could get it earlier um um so he's not risk averse like you know he's not it's he's just a strange character you just don't know what he's going to do next you just it's hard to understand him yeah the one thing i'd say about john jones is though I he was completely correct in that whole USADA thing. Did you no, not read that? No, no, no. <laughs> is this Luke Thomas here? Is that what? <laughs> I think John Jones is close to a loss. I honestly think you do. I think that Tiago Santos fight was eye-opening, to be honest. I think, you know, we talked about scoring. That scoring has changed, and the way John Jones fights is very decision-based. He's had a lot of decisions over the last while, and the better fighters he fights, the more... Uh, chance he has of losing because I think John Jones the way he kind of point scores and is not the biggest hitter in the world if he fights someone say like the Tiago Santos fight if someone got toe to toe with him like that Tiago Santos fight and pick big shots against John Jones whether it's you know attacking the legs or like steep attacking the body against Daniel Cormier in that fourth round and win a few rounds against him I think John Jones is vulnerable and I think people will look at that fight See the way Santos fight him, fought him, and fight him like that as well. I, I think I think he's close to a loss. Is Dominic Reyes good enough to do that? Maybe. You know, he's a big hitter. He hits hard. Will he have the cardio? Will he have the stamina going up to fight five rounds? You know, he hasn't had that many big tests in his career. It's a big question. I I, I, I don't think he probably can, but can Stipe do it? Can Adesanya do it? Maybe I I think maybe and I, I the problem is will John Jones take those fights I don't know if he will but it's it's interesting but I think someone will catch him not catch him with a one punch and knock him out but will I think someone will beat him I really do I think I think that soon how soon 20, there there's my first ball prediction for 2020 John Jones will lose a fight in 2020 there you go am I gone mad what do you think uh, if he keeps going the way he's going and not fighting at heavyweight or against Daniel Cormier, for example, or Stipe, for example, mm-hmm. then then if he if he stays away from all of those, he, uh, I'd, I'd seriously doubt he'll lose. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything can happen and all that, but uh, even if he was to step up and fight those guys, I'd pick him against all of them. Yeah. 
probably. So I think you're probably you're wrong, probably but wrong, it's MMA yeah. and uh, anything can happen. That is <laughs> that, that, this division, though, like it, it, my my call is maybe predicated on him fighting one of the good, very, very good guys at heavyweight or Adesanya coming up, because this division is is weak. Like, you know, Corey Anderson... Don't be backing away from it now, fuck's sake. Corey Anderson v. Johnny Walker there recently, you know, you've... Uh, Anthony Smith is still ranked up there. Jan Blahovic, Alexander Gustafsson is always around. You know, Volkan, uh, Volkan Odzimir, you know, those lightweights coming through with Luke Rockhold and Jacare and Chris Weidman all lost their, their fight coming up there. So, you know, this division is John Jones' division basically. And, you know, it's it's his world and we're all just kind of living in it. But, look, we'll see how it goes anyway. And then heavyweight, do you think Daniel Cormier will take this fight? Or uh, Stephen Mortis, sorry, will take this fight against Daniel Cormier? It seems like... Is this a case of Stipe maybe looking for a bit more money? He's been doing this over the last couple of years, and fair play to him, he should do that. But I don't know. It feels like this fight has got to be quiet. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, why doesn't Daniel Cormier want to fight John Jones again? Okay. Why doesn't he want to go to light heavyweight? I don't know. I think he's too big now to get down to light heavyweight. Is he like I watched? I watched that fight today earlier on the the DC Stipe one. He looked very very heavy. Like I'm not sure he can get back down there. He's struggling first of all. You know he didn't make it once even uh, <laughs> leaning on that towel. But I don't think he can get back down there. I think it's as simple as that to be honest. Uh, if he, he could, if he if he really wanted to, like uh, I'm surprised because I thought you know you'd want to get it back. The guy beat you beat you again, but it got reversed for all of that and um, I'm surprised he doesn't want to do that like you know his career is going to you know he needs to do it now or never and it's, it seems like he's going to decide never Yeah, he's not even calling John Jones up to heavyweight like it's not as if he's like well, after you, know, you lose though can you really do that you just got he could have before though he could have before yeah I think he kind of was a bit but that Brock uh, Lesnar fight was around there, though. His heart wasn't in it. He, he's on TV all the time. He could have been, he could have been trying to make that fight happen. He didn't. Yeah, I suppose. But like, I think this fight will happen again. I think it'll be. A, I think it will be a big fight. I think Steeper will get the money and he'll he'll make the fight. But you know, after that, there's there's. Do you think John Jones will ever fight, or John Jones and Daniel Cormier will ever fight again? Um, I think if DC wins and beats Steeper. I think John Jones will come up to the heavyweight and, and fight him. Um, I think he will. I, or I, so in, in 12, like. 12 years or something, some promotion yeah, will, yeah, will that, happen. That happens. I like fucking <laughs> choking teeth on It's fucking MMA. It definitely could. But I think they, yeah, I think they probably will. But like this division, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of kind of weird things in this division. Heavyweight is a bit like lightweight, and in, in that it's so easy to lose a fight because at lightweight the guys are so good and you can't go through they're undefeated all the time and that's what makes Habib and Tony such excellent fighters and heavyweight's just you can catch one punch and get knocked out like a great fighter like Junior DeSantos has five losses you know there's you know Derek Lewis 13 and 5 in that division over him fighting Rosenstruck coming up here in a, a couple of weeks time Ilir Latifi coming up to fight uh to fight Derek Lewis, I love that fight. And uh, my boy Francis Ngannou obviously is the next contender coming through, and he'll surely fight the winner of of Steep uh, versus Daniel Cormier. And you know, I think that's enough in the heavyweight division right now because heavyweight is a division where you can have, and you know, even with Ngannou, you can have this 
contender that's kind of sticking out and then you put him in there against someone who's good and they knock him out like you know it's one of those divisions is you know two wins in a row at heavyweight probably getting you a title shot or three wins you're almost certain to get it so it's uh it's, it's tough for one of those it wasn't until Stipe didn't uh, the one title defense was yeah. like the most yeah Stipe is like the, the, yeah. the winningest champion in, in UFC uh, <laughs> you love that word I love that word but yeah look Rosenstroke coming through here if he beats Alistair over him uh, next weekend he could be the next title challenger as well it, uh, you know or he could be fighting Francis Ngannou to decide who's the next title challenger so that's a that's a big fight in that division as well you know how you have obviously Volkov beat Greg Hardy there not too long ago you've Alexi Olnick is probably not getting you all the old lads in in the heavyweight division as well so you know I think it's between the likes of Blades Ngannou Rosenstruck over him you know Volkov as well there's a few lads there, and one of them will stick out, but it's it's probably going to be uh it's probably going to be Francis Ngannou. But um yeah, bef- before we go, uh, just look at Zayn's list here. He has a list of um, recent signings and a, re- li- a list of recent cuts. I'll rock you through some of the signings here. Uh, Isabella de Padua, she actually just fought there at the weekend. Uh, Roman uh, Bogatov, Tom Aspinall, who we know obviously from Cage Warriors, signed there. Trains with Tyson Fury, uh, Alex Munoz, Oros uh, Jusarik, uh, Chai Lewis Perry. Did he sign for the UFC? Jesus, that's that's a bit mad. Alexander Romanov, Chase Hooper, uh, Peter Barrett, uh, going tr- down through the list here. Stefan Struve apparently re-signed with him. Herbert Burns as well must have, um, and uh, and a few more there as well. Eric Weisel is back obviously in the UFC as well, and in recent cuts. Uh, ben Askren obviously retired. Uh, Alex Crowder is gone from the UFC as well. Gilbert Belindez, I believe, has gone to. Uh, to uh, Bellator, so that's a uh, big friend. Bobby Moffat apparently is gone. Yeah, he lost a couple of fights there. Thomas Gifford, he's the guy who almost got fucking killed a few weeks ago. Uh, Derek Kranz, Curtis Melinder, who's a very good fighter. Uh, Andres Sukumtot as well has gone. Manny Bermudez with a few fun fights, and Sergio Pettis has gone to Bellator uh, as well. So they're they're kind of the names there, the ins and outs uh, in the UFC. And uh, yeah, that's it. I think we got through every division there. Hopefully we didn't we didn't forget one. Let me let me just look at them here, just in case we did. Obviously John Jones. The, the, the pound for pound king, uh, Henry Cejudo, flyweight and bantamweight champion, Max Holloway, the featherweight champion, uh, lightweight Habib Nurmagomedov and Kamrusman at welterweight, and then we've Adesanya, Jones and Stipe, and the women, Weili Zhang, or Zhang Weili, uh, Valentina Shishinko, Amanda Nunes in with the, the two division champions as well. So yeah, we got we got through all of them. And uh, yeah, that's that. Graham, any parting words before we go? You, you I forgot leave the, the bad motherfucker division. The bad motherfucker division, yeah. Do you think that title <laughs> will be uh, will be defended again? Will they put it on the line again? Um, if if Masvidal pushes it, then yeah, I think so. Yeah, it probably th- depends on Masvidal. I think if I think there's two ways it probably is. If they do the rematch with Nate Diaz, I think they'd be stupid not to put it on the line again because that was the fight for the the baddest motherfucker belt. So it'd be stupid not to put it on the line again. Or if they fight McGregor, you know McGregor. If Masvidal, who will, fight McGregor, who will they? They have to get somebody to walk the belt out. Oh, I don't know. Fucking John Cena now. The Rock did it last time. John Cena. Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Bob, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Bobby Lashley currently in, in the moment in the WWE is having a storyline where he's is having he in the WWE. Yeah? He is. Yeah, he's having I sex. He was in the dip one, no? He's having sex with one of the other wrestlers' wives, and she's like unbelievably good-looking. Lana's her name. So he's. He's doing well for himself. He's kind of like Mark Henry now, is he? Yeah, sexual chocolate, yeah. (laughs) 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 It's a good fucking job if you can get it, isn't it? But look, these things happen in WWE anyway. So, right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, We'll be back with normal podcasts next week, as uh, as we always have it. And uh, we'll see you then. Good luck.